This is Jessica Dabrowski from the Florence School of Regulation, and today I have the pleasure of being here with Agnes da Costa, the Director of the Brazilian Ministry of Mines and Energy, to discuss the current status of Brazil's growth in renewable energy and its future potential. Thanks for joining us today, Agnes. Thank you, Jessica. It's a pleasure for me as well to be able to share the experience that Brazil lives in renewable energy. So the International Energy Agency recently published its latest market analysis and forecast report from 2018 to 2023 on renewable energy and technologies, uh, providing global trends and developments for electricity, heat and transport sectors, and also taking an in-depth look at bioenergy. The report mentions Brazil often. Uh, driven by bioenergy and hydropower, the report estimated that Brazil uh, by 20. 23 will have the highest share of renewables in its energy mix, accounting for about 45% of final energy consumption. Pretty impressive. Agnes, can you uh, discuss with us Brazil's strategy of maintaining its renewables energy mix and some positive results obtained to date? Yes, of course. We say in Brazil that we are, have luckily a predisposition to have a, a green energy mix. It's because of our vast availability of natural resources. Uh, when we look into history, we know that we started, I will start with electricity. We have large rivers in Brazil. So uh, the easiest way of developing an industry was uh, through the development of big hydropower plant projects. So that's why our industry is very uh, characterized as being very intense in electricity. But then in the 70s and 80s, uh, this environmental awareness related to large infrastructure projects arose. So uh, this is when uh, we started thinking of other uh, alternatives. But just after that, in the 90s, the main discussion that entered the policy agenda was the liberalization of our highly state-controlled and vertically integrated electricity supply industry. So this is when we did like a reform, a liberaliz liberalization reform. And this led to a very uh, unpopular energy rationing program uh, because of the reform's inability to foster investment in new projects. So we really got conscious that we needed uh, to, to, to change our mix. We could not rely only on a source whose increase of supply depends on the construction of large infrastructure works, highly intense of, on capital, taking years to build. So at the beginning of the years 2000, uh, we started planning uh, the diversification of our electricity mix. This is when we created the first alternative renewable uh, energy program, which is then in our case, not a big hydro, uh, which was called ProInfam. So with this program, we added almost 3000 megawatts of uh, generation capacity based on small hydro, biomass and uh, wind projects. And so ProInfam is the closest experience that Brazil has uh, that uh, closes experience to the feed-in tariffs. Then, when, meanwhile, we started designing our renewable energy auctions, uh, which then led to the consolidation of the renewables industry in Brazil and consequently to the declining energy prices for consumers. 
this is how Brazil uh, became the eighth country in the world in terms of in wind energy generation, according to the Global World Energy Council. So now we have 13.4 gigawatts of installed capacity uh, in wind projects. Uh, this, is this path is now being followed by solar, uh, which is also being contracted through energy auctions. But the difference uh, of solar related to wind is that uh, the consolidation of the, this industry may also rely on the demand arising from smaller scale and decentralized projects related to distribu distributed generation because it's a modular technology. So uh, up to here, I talked about electricity and now I'll go to um, the energy mix because we have all the other uh, sources of energy as well. So when we looked at at, at our energy mix, we still have a very green mix with about 44% of the energy supply coming from renewable sources. This has to do also uh, with our electricity mix, but uh, also because of our, the biofuels that we use. Uh, Brazil has an important sugarcane industry, which originates from our colonial times, when the country was the most important sugar producer and exporter in the world. With greater competition in, in the sugar market, and then the oil crisis in the 70s, Brazil designed a policy of oil substitution through ethanol, sugarcane ethanol, which revived this industry. This is how it started in Brazil, in fact. Then Brazil became the biggest producer and exporter of, of soybeans. And more recently, we designed then a program of biodiesel. And after that, that this is really started like last year, we designed a program that is smarter because it congregates all biofuels. So it's called the Renova Bio. Uh, and then finally, I think it's important to state that although Brazil has this predisposition to have a green energy mix because of its uh, abundance of renewable sources, uh, and also and, and that the policies in the energy sector originally might not have aimed at this aspect, it is undeniable that because of all international commitments signed in order to reduce global climate change, there is now an intentionality in our policies to keep or even increase the renewable components of our energy mix, as well to reduce energy demand through energy efficiency uh, initiatives. So this is what we have been doing, <laughs> but it's, it's really uh, linked to our history. It's, very, very interesting. And uh, you mentioned biofuels. Uh, the report stated that uh, globally the transport sector is actually one that's uh, leading behind the others in the energy transition. But as you stated, uh, Brazil is leading in the production of biofuels. How, uh, how else did the country overcome challenges facing the transport sector? And more importantly, how will it further support renewable energy development in a sustainable way? Uh, yes, as I mentioned before, our leadership in the production and development of biofuels is related to our history and economy, yeah. which was very dependent on the export of sugar. So yeah. what we had already, uh, so we had already expertise and land dedicated to crops of sugarcane. When the first oil crisis and then the second one hit Brazil, uh, through a program called ProAlco, a lot of resources were invested in research to develop the Brazilian ethanol and engines for car fuel with ethanol only. This was a program heavily dependent on subsidies. A second wave of development de deriving from this first experience 
led to the development in the years 2000 of flex fuel cars, cars that may run with any combination of ethanol and gasoline. This is the base technology sold in Brazil for cars. Then at the same time, considering the country's leadership in soybean production, another program was designed to stimulate the acquisition of biodiesel by fuel distributors. This program is called National Program of Production and Use of Biodiesel, and it has a strong component of social development as it prescribes that biodiesel gets bought through auctions with an evidence, which is called social label, that part of the biodiesel has been acquired from family farming. So there has been also a development of biodiesel production with other seeds from native palm trees like dende and macaúba. Besides there, there is a mandatory mix of biodiesel with mineral diesel that has been increasing. Now it's uh, 10% and it is supposed to increase in the coming years. So it's a man mandatory mix. And most recently we launched the Renova Bio, which congregates all these biofuels, maintaining the targets of the biodiesel program. The Renova Bio is a program that has been officially created as an initiative that will contribute to the emissions reduction targets related to commitments signed by Brazil in the Paris Agreement. The program aims at reducing the Brazilian fuel matrix carbon intensity, as it is unlikely that total emissions will reduce because of the growth of the economy. So the program takes into account the gain of efficiency of each fuel, the certified biofuel production capacity, the participation of flex, flex fuel vehicles in the fleet, and the price parity of hydrated and petrol ethanol. And in order to be able to verify the gains in terms of emissions and to leverage resources, as this is a program that does not count on any subsidy, a certification procedure of the biofuels production was designed. So uh, this certification is going to be done by private inspector firms with different grades being assigned to each producer. Higher grades will be earned by producers who offer the biofuels with the highest amount of net energy associated with lower CO2 equivalent emissions in the life cycle. So the grade will accurately reflect the individual contribution of each producer to the mitigation of a specific amount of greenhouse gases in relation to their fossil substitute in terms of tons of CO2 equivalent. Mm -hmm. uh, with this, we will be able to create the biofuel decarbonization credit. It's called mm -hmm. CBio. It will be a financial instrument traded on stock exchange issued by the biofuel producer. So fuel distributors will meet the target by demonstrating the required amount of C-Bios on their property. Mm -hmm. And other agents, individuals or corporations will also be able to buy and sell the C-Bios on stock exchange, exchange as a way to bring greater liquidity to this market. So in terms of results, if we get to reduce our fuel, fuels matrix carbon intensity in 10% by 2028, we will increase the participation of biofuels in the fuel mix from 20% to 28.6%, and we will reduce our external dependence on fuels from 11% to 7%. So, uh, as you may see, the future for biofuels in Brazil is very promising. 
Yeah, it, it really seems like it. And um, with its promising future and its long history of experiences, I, I guess the next question that's um, crucial to ask is what key lessons do you think that Brazil can teach other countries, especially uh, emerging economies, to help them best address the challenges of the energy transition and to unlock growth of their, um, of their renewable energy? I think the International Energy Agency's 2018 Renewables Market Report gives mm -hmm. good hints about this, mm -hmm. uh, what I have already addressed. In fact, first of all, I think uh, our experience in designing Dutch auctions to contract renewable energies, considering their specificities to the cap price design, has been very successful. It was decisive for the fixation of the, the related industry in the country and also for the decrease in energy prices. So this is one thing. And the other thing is considering then biofuels. We started in the late 70s with a program in which subsidies were fundamental. I have written a paper about this. It's called uh, Creating a Market for Ethanol, Challenges Faced in the Brazilian Experience. And I think it's very easily uh, found on, on Google. I'll make sure uh, but, to share it. <laughs> <laughs> but now with Renovabio, we are making use of alternative financial instruments enabled by the modernization of technology and of financial markets, but also by the this international consciousness and commitment to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So I think that nowadays we can design more modern programs. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think this modern type of programs might inspire other countries as well. Excellent. Thank you so much for all of that great insight. Uh, and before we uh, before we finish up here, I would like to quickly change topics to um, an initiative that's been growing in Brazil. Um, Sin elas, elas existen, or yes, they exist. Uh, it's been getting a lot of buzz lately, and uh, so have you for a list that you've created of 160 plus qualified women. Um, I've he I heard that you've handed over this list to the transition team of the new government uh, to give them a chance to appoint women to leadership positions. Uh, at the FSR, we have our Lights on Women initiative. And so I was wondering if you could tell me more about uh, the initiative that's happening in Brazil now and how you see Sin Elas existing growing in the future. Yes, the, I, I say that the Yes, They Exist initiative is more of a grassroots campaign. Okay. And I like to characterize it like this for two reasons. The first reason is related to a recent study by Harvard Law School, which pointed out that in countries like in the States, where there is no mandatory targets or quotas for women in leadership positions, like on board, for example, grassroots campaigns have been decisive in the increasing the participation of women in these positions. Uh, I know that this research is focused on the corporate sector, but it reinforced my belief that grassroots campaigns may start unpretentiously, but gain space very quickly. And this is what happened with our initiative. Uh, the second reason why I like to characterize, yes, they exist as a grassroots campaign is because it is a grassroots campaign. It is not an institutional, institutional campaign from the Ministry of Mines and Energy in Brazil. But, uh, but it is the ministry where Renata and I work. So Renata and, and I developed this initiative together. Uh, we may say, on the other hand, that the Ministry of Energy here has always endorsed our participation in capacity building programs related to gender, 
and also in national and international events dealing with gender in the energy and mining sector. And this is where we met Jessica. <laughs> so through these capacity building programs, usually conducted by our School of Government, mm -hmm. Renata and I had the opportunity to do the Women and Power course at Harvard Kennedy School mm -hmm. uh, in April this year. So when we came back, demanded by our School of Government, we had to think of a project in which we could apply the knowledge we gather in Harvard. So uh, how did mm -hmm. we come to this project? Uh, we knew that as presidential elections were going to happen in October this year, and because we know that shortly after elections, people start getting appointed for important positions in the administration, and because we are almost uh, never see women getting appointed for these positions in the energy and mining fields, and because we know that everybody in the sector can think of competent female professionals that easily could perform very well in these positions, uh, we came up with this idea of engaging our networks at LinkedIn and asking them to send us suggestions of names mm -hmm. so that we could consolidate a list of names that we would ha handle uh, to the candidates before they got elected and started choosing people to compose their administrations. Mm -hmm. So this started with an article that I have written at LinkedIn, unfortunately only in Portuguese, uh, then several... That's, that's where Google <laughs> Translate came in. Yeah, exactly. I, I took a look, yes. <laughs> and then several uh, vehicles of the sectorial media started publishing notes and articles about this and, and helping us to spread, spread the initiative. So we got a lot of suggestions of names, and after we consolidated the list, we sent it to the energy experts of each campaign. And after uh, Bolsonaro won the elections, Luciano de Castro, the energy expert, recorded a short moving acknowledging that he got the list and that the initiative was important. So after that, national media published about our initiative and people starting, started looking for us to know if we could enlarge it for example, to include other sectors, and what we are going to do with this. So our mm -hmm. idea is to create a talent pool, but we still have to discuss how to do this, because as I told you, Jessica, it's not that we work with gender, we work mm -hmm. with energy, but now we, we really see this as an opportunity. So uh, we have to organize ourselves and see how we will create this talent pool. Absolutely. I mean, that all sounds excellent and it sounds uh, quite on par with what we're trying to do with our Lights on Women initiative. So I can't wait to uh, follow the Yes, They Exist initiative and see how uh, we can work together in the future as well. Yes. Uh, me too. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here with us today. Your insights were great and I'm sure everyone will uh, find them very valuable. Uh, and I hope to see you soon. Uh, I hope to see you again very soon. Yeah, me too, Jessica, and thank you very much.